0: This is a podcast by The Business Times. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips. I'm your host, Chris Lim. In Money Hacks, we try to make sure we regularly revisit investing fundamentals. But in this episode, which is brought to you by HSBC, we're going to kick things up a notch to talk about some intermediate topics that even some experienced investors might not completely have a handle on. Helping us tackle these knowledge gaps is our guest, Deepak Khanna, Head of Wealth Products and Journeys at HSBC. Welcome to the show, Deepak. Thank you, Chris, for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Deepak, what are the top three financial knowledge gaps that even experienced investors sometimes have? It's a great question to start with, Chris. We know that
1: financial knowledge is one of the key pillars towards financial fitness. So let's start with what is financial knowledge? It's all about awareness of the wealth management landscape, the financial products, and how they can help achieve one's financial goals. It's about understanding the product features, benefits, potential risk, the fees, charges, and other expenses. In fact, recently at HSBC, we developed an index called FinFit index, which provides a health check on four key pillars of which financial knowledge is one of them. So I'm gonna quote based on the results of this index. The top gap that came out was knowing which products are suitable to achieving your financial goals. The second one is the ability to compare and select the right financial products. Thirdly, it is about the ability to understand and manage your own
0: risk tolerance. Okay, so basically top of the list is the tools available to you, these products, these tools. What are the tools available to you to achieve your goals? And then how do you use them to achieve your goals? So coming back to that number one gap, not knowing, not fully understanding the tools, the products available to you to achieve your financial goals, what's the biggest risk of ignoring this knowledge gap? So Chris, financial knowledge or lack of it will
1: eventually influence our financial decisions. Let me take the first two gaps together, which is about having suitable products to achieve your financial goals or the ability to compare and select the right financial products. So the risk of not matching the right products to the different financial goals can lead to a misalignment between the product benefits and your needs. Let me take a simple example. Let's say you have a goal which has a definite starting date like university education for your kids. You need to be investing in products which can be liquidated or redeemed at that time. So if your investments do not have the right feature, you could be running into a maturity mismatch between your goals and the investment products. You could be holding short dated products in a long-term goal or vice versa. Another example is your portfolio mix. If you don't have a good understanding of investment products, your portfolio can be skewed towards either saving products or products which do not have a potential to grow in a way your financial goal demands it. This can create a mismatch between your expectations on portfolio returns versus what your portfolio can eventually deliver. Based on the FinFit survey, On an average, only around half of the respondents use investment products to grow their wealth. By comparison, almost three quarters of those with high FinFIT scores have investments and they allocate close to 40% of their portfolio to investments. Chris, if I can take the third gap as well, which is ability to manage risk. Again, only about half end up assessing the risk tolerance at least once in the last 12 months. This may mean you're carrying investments which are either more or less risky compared to your tolerance and will lead to an eventual mismatch when it comes to returns
0: or the risk. Okay, so pretty much we're talking about mismatch here between your goals and what you're using to achieve your goals. And of course, risk management is part of that because the level of risk you're taking on needs to be calibrated to your investment horizon and what you want to achieve. Well, let's say you plug these gaps. What's the biggest benefit then of plugging all three gaps? What does an investor get out of that?
1: Chris, in my view, benefits of plugging these gaps is having a portfolio that is tailor-made for you with the right products to achieve your financial goals. Less than half the respondents would say that they understand investment products well. Products like stocks and mutual fund rank higher, but as you move towards products like bonds, gold, foreign exchange investments, ETFs, green investments, et cetera, the knowledge level claimed decreases. So the benefit of expanding financial knowledge is the ability to choose from a wider spectrum of choices. Another benefit is that investors are in a better control of the financial needs, like being able to achieve better returns on their portfolio, retire at a desired age, owning a property, or financially supporting their dependents. Finally, I would say it's about positive impact on investors' happiness, confidence, and increased satisfaction in the quality of living. And Chris, isn't that what finally matters?
0: Absolutely. If you like Money Hacks so far, please subscribe to Money Hacks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. And now back to our conversation with Deepak Khanna, Head of Wealth Products and Journeys at HSBC, about financial knowledge gaps that even experienced investors sometimes have. This episode is brought to you by HSBC. Now, before the break, we're talking about the top three knowledge gaps that sometimes even experienced investors sometimes have, such as a mismatch between the kind of financial products they want to achieve their goals, a mismatch in risk management. But moving on to maybe more advanced topics, speaking of knowledge gaps, many experienced investors with portfolios larger than $200,000 Singapore are still invested mostly or even entirely in equities and bonds. Why is diversifying your portfolio beyond equities and bonds important for investors? So the first response to this
1: question would be that diversification reduces the risk of your portfolio. By adding different asset classes to your portfolio, the risk and the returns are combined. And the net effect on the portfolio risk or the return depends on how these asset classes are correlated. Let me take an example of holding two asset classes in a portfolio which react very differently to a market condition. That is, these are negatively correlated. By doing this, you can eventually have a lower risk on a portfolio than just having one asset class. Now, this may sound counterintuitive, but this is the crux of portfolio management. So the big question always is, which asset classes should one hold and what should be the investment in each? And this is the process for asset allocation. Secondly, apart from reducing risk, diversification also allows for room to maximizing the return opportunity. And this is where the question around going beyond equity and bonds will come in. Let's take a hypothetical example of an economic or a business cycle. And let's assume the business cycle has peaked. At this point of time, there is a gradual shift from equities to fixed income, but it is also a good period for things like gold, which act as a good diversifier. Similarly, in recovery stage of a business cycle, Asset classes like equity do well, but one could also look beyond to REITs and commodities as they do
0: well too when momentum starts to kick in. Okay, so diversification can both help you manage risk as well as help you maximize returns. And you mentioned gold, Deepak, but besides gold, are there any key asset classes investors should use to diversify beyond equities and bonds? And what are the steps investors can take to balance their equity bond portfolios with these other asset classes?
1: Yeah, so the first step is to build a multi-asset portfolio through a broad range of asset classes. And I want to stress on the word asset classes and not products here. Products come in as a means to invest into a particular asset class and their selection will depend on your risk profile, time you want to hold a product and so on and so forth. So let's focus on asset classes. I can think of four ways to diversify your asset classes. Number one, if you want to stick to equity and bonds, I would say go a level deeper. Rather than just holding the broad asset classes, start to look at sub-asset classes. Take equities, for example. You could look at specific geographical diversification like developed and emerging markets. You could also look at sector diversification. Let me try and contextualize this in the current environment. Given the strength of the economic rebound, it is important to stay invested into the recovery. And for this, rather than just holding broad equity asset class, one could look at exposure to cyclical sectors like industrials, materials, and consumer discretionary. In this economic recovery, you could also look at increasing exposure to Asia and the US as a geographic picks, as the growth engines are there. Similarly, in technology, rather than having exposure to the broad sector, one could look at subsectors like cloud computing, artificial intelligence, online education, 5G, gaming, and many more. Similarly, if you take bonds as an example, you could look at diversifying further into sub-asset classes like government bonds, corporate bonds, high-yield bonds, emerging market debt, et cetera. Again, in the current market environment, in a structurally low-yield environment, you could look at investment grades or high-yield, especially in the US and Asia. So that's the first way of diversifying within equity and bonds. The second way I would say is to diversify is to look at currency implication there is always a difference between your investment currency and the currency of the asset class. So let's say you're an investor in sing dollars, you could be investing in products which are, or asset classes which are in different currencies. When it comes to investment in bonds, especially the emerging market debt, you need to make a choice between, are you investing into that bond in the local currency or a hard currency like US dollars? Similarly, let's say you are investing in broad Asian equities, you could be exposed to currency mismatch So the question you need to ask yourself, do you want to keep that exposure or do you want to hedge it? The third way I would talk about is to look at alternate asset classes like property or real estate and gold and commodity. This will also help to further reduce a correlation among the different asset classes in your diversified portfolio and achieve the best possible return for your risk level. Take property or real estate, for example, this sector typically gives high dividend yield, which is attractive. And even in the current environment of low yield, valuations tend to be well supported. Recovery modes are a good period to be investing in real estate as they act as a good hedge against increasing inflation. Let's take gold for an example. Gold is proven portfolio risk diversifier, and we have seen that happening during pandemic outbreak and geopolitical tensions. There remains a place for gold in well-diversified portfolios during times of volatility. The fourth area for diversification, I would say, is to look at sustainable investments. Sustainable investments have gained tremendous momentum in 2020. Commitments from governments to be carbon neutral will benefit companies exposed to energy efficiency, renewable energy, clean tech, et cetera. Decarbonization initiatives can disrupt the transportation and infrastructure sector, evolving battery technologies, electric vehicles, and electricity infrastructure will set to benefit. Let's take, for example, China's commitment to achieving carbon neutrality by 2060. This would mean active development of electric vehicles, renewable energies like solar, wind, waste to energy, smart grids, etc. So I would say, Chris, that one has to look at a very comprehensive view when it comes to allocation of a portfolio
0: and going beyond just equity and bonds. We've got pretty much four ways of diversifying here. I mean, one was sub-asset classes. Look at that. Second is currency exposure, and third is actually looking at totally different asset classes beyond equities and fixed income. And fourth, you mentioned was interesting, themes, looking at different themes and you singled out ESG as one. Very, very interesting. Any other themes that you could highlight beyond ESG? Yeah, so I think as you said that,
1: you know, themes are important. One could go further into the technology sector, which has gained momentum in the recent past. But I would say that, you know, if you start with these four basic principles of diversification, you could end up with a good portfolio. And that's what, you know, you want to do by diversifying and achieving a better risk and a better return in maximizing your portfolio returns.
0: Thanks for being on the show, Deepak. Thank you very much, Chris, for having me over. We've been plugging financial knowledge gaps that sometimes even experienced investors have with my guest, Deepak Khanna, Head of Wealth Products and Journeys at HSBC. This episode was brought to you by HSBC. And that's a wrap for this episode of Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times. That was an SBH podcast by The Business Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcastsbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3. Any financial or investment information in this podcast is for use in Singapore only and is intended to be for your general information. Any particular investment or decision should only be made after consulting with a fully qualified financial advisor.